Welcome to the UX Podcast, where we learn how to turn a rockstar business into a UX machine. UX introduces a simple formula for personal and business growth based around one principle. We can't solve big, valuable problems alone. Starting with this principle, UX equips and empowers us to pour ourselves into people and systems, scale authentically, and create a life of exponential freedom and impact. And now, let's get started with the latest episode of the UX Podcast. What's up, Rockstars? Welcome back. We are talking about how to build a super consulting business. And my guest today is Carl Sakis. I loved this conversation. I'm so excited to share it with you. There's a bunch of stuff that we covered. Uh, a little background on Carl first. Uh, he, is, he is the guy that people turn to when they're growing an agency and they're having major growing pains. And so he's a management consultant and executive coach. He's advised hundreds of agency owners around the world. Uh, his clients call him their agency therapist. Uh, he's got 20 years of consulting. He was the number two person at two different very successful digital marketing agencies. He's the author of multiple books, including his latest, which is called Made to Lead, a pocket guide to managing marketing and creative teams. So the, the reason that I was so excited to share this conversation with you and what I think you'll get out of it is because Carl is one of those guys. He comes, he comes from the agency world, but now he's not running an agency. He's running what he calls a super consultant business. Um, you might be familiar with this from uh, thought leaders like Dan Kennedy uh, talking about, you know, that they, they are leveraging and making the most impact and the most profit from the expertise and creativity that's trapped between their head. Uh, and they're not interested in building huge teams. They're not building companies to sell. They're not doing any of those things. They wanna make pro high profit and high impact business. And to me, that's one of the most fascinating areas that I'm really passionate about is helping other experts, coaches, consultants, and creatives figure out how to make the most, the most profit, the most impact without any restrictions on freedom. And Carl is a building, he's essentially built his own form of that business. And we talk about how do you start to make those intentional choices where you choose a lifestyle business over a high growth equity type business that's being built to be acquired or sold. And, I, you know, the problem with us is a lot of times we say we set out to build this lifestyle business and then we make choices along the way that are inconsistent with that. And we get all the stress and all the problems of a high growth business, but we also hamper it, and so we don't get a lot of the benefits. We, don't, we definitely don't get the payday at the end of the rainbow of selling off an agency because we make, we kind of go halfway and we're stuck in this mushy middle. And so we talk about how do you avoid that mushy middle and how do you make and keep making choices that are consistent with the business you actually set out to build. We also talk about, look, if you're gonna build a lifestyle business and you wanna make the most profit and the most impact from your expertise and creativity, there is a definite path and there's a few very, very specific strategies that Carl covers on exactly how to do that. And I love the way his brain works. He's very, very systematic. He speaks in terms of models and frameworks and formulas, and you can see a lot of those on his site. Uh, but we'll talk through a few of those on the podcast. We talk about the strategy tier. We talk about how we need to be pickier. We talk about the difference between thinking, teaching, and doing. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we get into that's going to be very, very helpful. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the agency world now or not, because like I mentioned, Carl comes from an agency background, but is running a super consulting business. So this applies to pretty much anyone in the audience, coach, consultant, or the agencies who serve that crowd, because we... We're all facing that challenge of how do you build the business that gets the most profit, the most impact with the least restrictions on freedom. And that's exactly what this episode is about. So I'm super excited for you to hear it. I'm going to shut up and let Carl take over because we had an amazing conversation that I'm, I'm very excited for you to hear. So once again, here's Carl Sakis. 
Carl, welcome officially to the UX podcast. Matt, great to be here. I know our, our pre-interview conversation should have been recorded and released as its own episode. So we've got a bunch of stuff to get into. Um, I'm curious, though, just because you have kind of your feet in both worlds, uh, formerly in the agency world, we talked about that in your intro, and now you're really in it, I would call it maybe a consulting advisory role, uh, at least from the outside looking in. But what do you tell people that you do? Well, I, I describe it. I actually try to focus more on the benefits to clients rather than the, the feature. You know, the feature version is consultant, coach, and trainer for agencies. Mm -hmm. The benefit version is more around helping agencies conquer growing pains. Conquer growing pains. Okay. And, and typically, what, like, what's your, when you say an agency, do you have a typical profile, any type of certain type of agency that tends to kind of uh, be attracted to your services? They're typically independent agencies where the owners are involved in, in running the business, mm -hmm. generally under 100 employees. Most of them have been in the U.S., though I've worked with clients in 32 countries so far. Cool. Uh, so primarily the U.S., along with Canada, Australia, and the U.K., but 32 altogether. Wow. Incredible. Um, okay. And one of the things that, uh, that I wanted to talk about was the idea of lifestyle versus equity. So uh, yes. let's start off just by sharing kind of your perspective on that. And then I want to talk about the implications and how we can make sure that we're making good choices. Yeah. Well, so it's a model that I got from an entrepreneurship class in college. A venture capitalist came in and spoke about, you know, a lot of people start a small business as a lifestyle business, uh, but that's different from running a business you're planning to sell. In his model, he called it a high growth business. I think of it, though, as an equity business. Mm -hmm. That is lifestyle, get higher than, than market rate compensation for you as you're running your business, whether it's an agency or otherwise. Uh, you're not planning to sell, but that's okay because you've built the life you want and you're paid well for it. And then at the other end of the continuum would be equity. That is, you're growing your business to sell. Mm -hmm. some sort of a probably million or multi-million dollar payday. Yeah. Most people tend to be somewhere in the middle. It is a continuum, but people tend to lean toward either lifestyle or equity. Yeah, and one of the things that was interesting, because I listened to an interview that you did on another podcast, uh, actually with, with Jake Jorgeman, who's been on our show before, so everybody should go check out that episode because it was fantastic. But you mentioned something that I, I've felt and talked about but didn't articulate it this way, and I love the way that, that you phrased it, which is that so many of us, set out to build a lifestyle business, but then along the way, we make choices that are only consistent with a high growth or an equity business. And mm. let's talk a little bit about the consequences of that, because I think you're right. But what does that actually look like? And how does that manifest? Like, how does that end up actually translating into our business? Yeah, one of the big ones is related to hiring, heading towards certain revenue targets. Okay. You know, a, a, a common scenario is along the lines, you know, I've heard this a number of times, you know, revenue is up, but profit margins are down. Of course. And that's usually because you overhired. Mm -hmm. You know, generally agencies are spending in the neighborhood of half the revenues on labor, sometimes less, often is more. If it's way more and you have no profit margins, it's because you're either overpaying your team or they are not productive enough with, you know, with the team you've got. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, ultimately, uh, the, you know, the idea there is as you're, as you're growing, you're hiring, if you overhire, that's risky. And it's especially risky if you're running a lifestyle business. Mm. Uh, if you're on the equity side, sometimes you need to hire ahead of demand. Yeah. Uh, for instance, working with one of my coaching clients who has super aggressive growth goals for his agency this year. And one of the things we looked at, you know, based on his overall ramp up, is going to be to hire three salespeople. Mm -hmm. uh, that is 
too many salespeople for the size he is now, but that's right for where he wants to be over the coming year. Um, and one of the questions he had was, do I hire all three at once? Or he's you know, just hiring one, do I, you know, what, what else do I do? My advice was hire the second one now and wait until you know how that goes before you hire the third. But ultimately, in his case, based on his unique, I call it VGR, as values, goals, and resources, mm -hmm. he would be hiring sooner with his equity and high growth orientation mm -hmm. than if he were lifestyle only. And, and the way you could look at it, I, I was an operations and information systems major in college. Uh, there's the idea of uh, a, a, the cost of maintaining inventory versus mm -hmm. a stockout. So like, imagine okay. you go to the store and they don't have what you're looking for. Well, they lost the revenue. You were willing to pay for it, whatever it was, and they didn't get the revenue. On the other hand, if they have way too much inventory of something, so that's a stock out, mm -hmm. and it costs the money. They lost the potential revenue. Yeah. On the other hand, inventory is, you know, you've got a whole, whole warehouse of something, and if you don't sell it, you're dealing with all of the costs of doing that. Well, when mm -hmm. it comes to an agency, too much inventory is having team members who aren't doing things. And then the stock out is you've got that opportunity and you can't fulfill it. Yeah. In his case, I said, let's look at it around which would be more expensive. Would it be worse to have potential revenue that you could have brought in with that additional salesperson? You know, is that, how does that compare to, um, you know, over hiring? Um, and I'm working with him around building a whole sales ramp up plan. So he'll know within a few months if people are on track or not. Given hmm. his goals, Okay. He should ultimately hire the second one and then hire the third relatively soon. Yeah. If he were focused on running a lifestyle agency, definitely don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I yeah. If you hire the second one at all, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, in that case, if you're more lifestyle oriented, often the owner should be the one doing the sales and delegate out the other stuff, or maybe hire one salesperson. Yeah. Yeah, and that's to me. I th I see that a lot. Um, so I'm I, like I run an agency, but my clients are the business coaches and consultants. They're very they're probably operating very similar business models to what y you do. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get into that in a second. Just what the super consultant is, um, yeah. or they are the super consultant within their own business. In other words, they have a bunch of other coaches or you know consultants that are underneath them, and right. everybody's kind of teaching their methodology. But they are still the super consultant. They're the ones that sets the IP, the intellectual property for the entire business. And uh, I think they get into the trap, especially because uh, so many of us entrepreneurs are, uh, by definition, impatient and competitive. And mm -hmm. so it, we set out to build a lifestyle business. A lot of people get into the coaching and consulting for that exact reason. But then along the way, we make all sorts of choices that only make sense in a high growth environment, whether it's hiring, yeah. Um, you know, we do this stuff to, our, to ourselves all the time. And it sounds to me like a lot of people come to you after having made a lot of those choices and they realize, oh crap, I'm stressed out. I didn't actually want a high yeah. growth business. I, what I wanted was a lifestyle business, but I, I don't know how I got here. That's common. Yep. It's sort of, you know, I, people will say things like, I've been doing this for a long time. I thought it would be easier at this point, or I thought <laughs> I'd more money at this point, or both. Yeah. Uh, and other times people are saying, you know, I know where I want to go. I know I want to grow and sell. I'm not sure how to get there. Mm -hmm. And then ultimately, that's why people come to consultants and coaches. They're looking for help toward reaching their goals in a way that will get them there more smoothly, more profitably, less stressed out than if they did it on their own. And then I'd say I, I coach clients and I also do consulting projects. 
but I have my own coach because I can't coach myself. We lack yeah. perspective on ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that's 100% true. Um, so tell me a little bit about just getting, getting back to both your business model and, um, and continuing the conversation about maybe some, some business model options that we have here in this kind of new like wild frontier of coaching, consulting, and creative work. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about what the super consultant business model is, which is, which is not new technically, uh, but I think there are new ways to leverage it, which I'll get to in a second. But just what is that business model to begin with? Yeah. So for a comparison, an agency has a lot of people doing billable work. Mm -hmm. And if you want to increase the revenues, you generally will add more people and ideally become more efficient over time so that your revenue per full-time equivalent, revenue per FTE goes up. If you're running an agency, by the way, ideally it's at least $150,000 a year in revenue per full-time equivalent. Okay. If it's below 100, you've got a sustainability problem. And mm -hmm. if it's 200 or more, you're doing well. Okay. Um, so the agency model is basically add people to grow and yeah. then make them more efficient. Yeah, more leads, contrast, more people. Yeah. yeah. In contrast, the super consultant model focuses on having one primary consultant. Maybe you'd have more, but one primary person and then probably an admin person helping, helping mm -hmm. you stay on track. Uh, so it's, it's ultimately a solo business plus one. Uh, or, you, you know, know what you could say is kind of the classics, probably Peter Drucker would fall into that, the Dan mm -hmm. Kennedy, Jay Abraham, all those guys that, that are prolific thinkers, writers, and speakers, mm -hmm. where their ideas have done the most, like their ideas have had the most impact on the market, not the companies that they built. I think probably all those guys would agree that they fall into that category, right? It makes sense where it's ultimately focused on their expertise. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Church wrote a book that that digs into this about the idea of uh, of being a uh, building a thought leadership practice, yeah, rather than building a business where you're trying to make yourself, you know, uh, dispensable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think of it as being a super consultant. That is, people are hiring you primarily for your expertise, uh, and you're also charging a ton of money for it. Well, and that's what I want to talk about, because when you say charging a ton of money for it, when, mm -hmm. when you look at a super, if a super consultant comes to you and says, look, I've, I've either, I, either I've been down the traditional agency model or I've looked down that road enough to know that's not what I want. Right. What I want is I want to do really great work in the world mm -hmm. that has an impact on people that I love to work with, but I want to make, I, I want to make as much as I can. Yeah. I want to have as much freedom as I can. Uh, what, what are some of the things that you encourage them to think about or do? Start by specializing. You know, if you're a generalist, you're going to have trouble commanding higher fees. Yeah. Uh, it could be specializing by vertical. It could be specializing in a particular area. Uh, fun fact, uh, through my work with the National Speakers Association, the, the other NSA, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's this idea when people say you specialize in creativity versus innovation. And apparently they've done some research that found that if you position yourself as an innovation speaker, you get paid more than if your position is a creativity speaker. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds yeah. to me like the same person could go after both, but it's, a, it's an issue of language and understanding what people value in the market, right? Yes. Well, and if, if you think about it, um, and, and this will vary by cl target client, right? But, you know, creativity, that seems like a nice to have. You know, we'd like to be more creative. However, innovation is more closely connected, I think, in the mind of someone buying services. Innovation is it's closer to commercialization. It's closer to getting revenue from whatever it is. You know, oh, help the team Absolutely. be more creative. Well, we need to cut the budget. We'll cut the creativity training, but we're not going to cut the innovation yeah. training. 
Right. Well, and that's, it's funny you say that because that the, I think the result, that is the result of another thought leader, you know, guys like Clayton Christensen and stuff like that, making innovation into a must have in the seventies and eighties for that best. That's another conversation, but that yes. is an interesting side effect of some, the success of some other thought leader affecting mm -hmm. your thought leader business. Anyway, um, yeah. okay, so start by specializing hundred percent agree focus. I'm a big fan. That's always one of the books I recommend the most uh, by Al Reese. Yeah. Um, so specializing, let's talk a little bit about the, the strategy tiers, um, because I, uh -huh. I do think, um, I like I'm on this same journey. You shared this with me shortly before we started recording. I was blown mm -hmm. away by it. Let's run through that real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is that generally we want to be strategic. We know that strategy tends to pay better than implementation work. Yeah. Uh, my model for it is think, teach, do. Think is about strategy. Teach is about training and empowerment. Do is about implementation. But even within strategy, within think, not all strategy is the same. And I built a strategy tiers model uh, to take a look at that. So the idea is at the very top, top strategy tier is about advising clients about business strategy their overall business, how it's operating, how they're making money. Yeah. Below that, if we're thinking from a marketing perspective, you know, my focus is marketing and creative agencies. So it's business strategy, then it's integrated marketing strategy, then it is digital marketing strategy. I tend to work with primarily digitally oriented agencies. Yeah. Then you've got channel strategy, uh, which in the digital world could be SEO versus PPC versus social versus something else. And then finally, you'll have channel level strategy. That would be, or channel, and then campaign level strategy, the strategy behind a particular campaign you're running. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that if you can lever up a tier, you ultimately have potential to make more money. Um, you know, as we were talking about earlier, of course, you don't want to jump too fast because ultimately then you're selling something you can't fulfill. Right. Uh, and, and also you don't have to, you know, if you're happy with where you are now, you don't have to move up a tier. You know, if you only want to do SEO and you don't want to expand from there, that's fine. You don't have to jump from SEO as a channel type strategy up to digital in general. No, but it does. It's such a good framework because, and, and this is, I think, one of, the, one of the powers of having a great framework is it explains phenomenon or or something that you can really kind of only sense in your business almost through like spidey sense uh yeah. it clearly explains what's going on right so if you have yeah. somebody that's operating an agency and they're going man i just like i can't i can't get the margins i want i can't get the right. i can't get the income per you know the revenue per uh, full-time equivalent that i want mm -hmm. you can immediately zero in and go okay well what are you doing well i'm running yeah. you know, Facebook ad campaigns for medium, small to medium sized businesses. Well, they're, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, well, there There's you go. There's only so much money. There's I, only so much money. Yeah. The, the, the model I have on that, uh, you know, a client was saying, it seems like people in my industry don't have any money. And I, I challenged her assumption and I said, is it that no one has money or the people you're attracting don't have money? Yes. And she was like, well, I think it's more, I'm just not attracting the people who have more money. And the, the model I use, you know, think if you're, you're fishing, you know, are you fishing in the wrong spot in the river? That's what she was doing. Yeah. Um, or in some cases, it's are you in the wrong river in the first place? Uh, well, yeah, coming from like my experience building and co-hosting two very different podcasts in the same space and watching one of them effortlessly generate two different six-figure income streams off of it and the other one being extremely tough to monetize all in the same industry like i i know i've like i've lived it it's not yeah. uh, and it's yeah. not fun for the one but then it does it does once i stepped back and i understood what was going on it all made perfect sense yeah. so I, I love that um because i think there's people 
and I, cause I have a good friend of mine that's in, I would call it probably the channel strategy and runs oh, okay. extremely. And, and so this is, this is a, a thing you might appreciate. Uh, I don't know if you're a big, did you ever run across the writings of uh, David Maester? I, I, I've seen them. I, I certainly have not memorized all of them. That yeah, was well, too bad because they're worth memorizing. Uh, so uh, one, of my, one of my business coach turned me on to him a couple of years ago. And so I devoured most of the stuff that he wrote, like mm-hmm. managing the professional service firm and stuff like that, which is amazing. Like all this stuff that was written for law firms and accounting firms and stuff, it all yeah. applies to us, agency owners and yeah. stuff. Anyway, he talks about like, uh, you know, an efficiency practice, an efficiency business, like the pharmacy versus the therapist or the brain surgeon. Mm. And I think if you're going to build like a profitable business, a profitable, sustainable business, and you're down in that channel or the campaign area, like you have to understand that you are in the efficiency business or you're not in the business. Like you run a therapist business in those lower, those lower ranks. Uh, I think a lot of people are probably trying and, and uh, and it goes back to really what you want. And it goes back to the lifestyle versus equity. If you want a lifestyle business to me, you have to like intentionally kind of start moving up those tiers because that's where you get right more profit for the same amount of your mental work and energy. Right. Yes. Well, and, and I mean, that, that ties into you to ask, you know, what do you need to do to become a super consultant? Mm-hmm. Specializing is part of it um, and choosing the degree of specialization you want. Um, thinking about the strategy tiers, I mean, that, that's a model. Mm-hmm. You should be thinking about models that are unique to you and to your work. That's not to say that if a general model, you know, doesn't apply, um, you, know, you can't use it, of course. But ideally in your work, because of your specialization, you're going to be really good at this and you're thinking of models. Yeah. You know, for instance, the, the strategy tiers, I have to have a printout of it. I don't know if it's ba- uh, backwards or not, but you know, this is something that I talked through with one client and then I talked through with another client and I realized, hmm, this fits with everyone. Uh, yeah. The same thing is true with the think, teach, do as well. Yeah. Uh, and I, I ultimately turned it into a triangle you know, if, if you're thinking, if you're early on the transition to super consultant and you're like, I don't have these multicolored models. Well, I, I didn't have them when I started either. Yeah. You know, th- those were based on workshopping and evolution and, and things like that. Uh, if you are looking for a good way to display models, you should definitely follow the work of Neen James, N-E-E-N James. Uh, Neen covers a number of topics. One of them is contextual models. And the idea is how do you create a visual representation of your intellectual property. Uh, oh, really, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, Taki yeah. Moore is another one that's really, really good at that. Um, nice. I have a client who is in his group coaching program, and that's, that's the main thing they got out of it was how do, you, how do you visualize your intellectual property? I mean, how do you put everything into uh, a, pic, a picture model so that's easy to convey? I love that. Yeah. I'm going to have to check out. I've, I've, it's funny because I've reached out to, uh, to Neen before to put her on a podcast. I don't think it ever happened, but it's a good reminder. I need to reach out to her again. Um, okay, so we've got, yep. so if you're moving up, so start by specializing, Specialize, tier. look for frameworks. Look for frameworks. Uh, I would say also, you just need to be picky. Uh, okay. Don't take everything that comes along. You know, if you are a super consultant, by definition, you are the billable or primary billable person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my colleague Diane has tons of agency experience. She does some billables, but ultimately people are coming to Sekus and Company because of me as yeah. the primary person. Uh, she's sort of the add-on. Um, you know, so the idea of being picky, if I said yes to every single opportunity, uh, you know, I'd be working 100 hours a week, uh, you know, and running a life, choosing a lifestyle business for myself, that's not what I'm looking for. 
So it's being picky. So for instance, I won't get on a sales call until someone, uh, you know, people will reach out to me. Almost everything that I do is inbound based. So they reach out to me. If it's a fit, I'll recommend doing a call. But after they fill out my pre-intake survey, pre-qualifying survey, mm, yeah. asking questions about what they expect, what success would look like, what their experience has been like working with a consultant coach or other advisor before, what they liked and didn't like about that, what metrics they would use for evaluating things. Uh, so ultimately, I've done, I think at this point, well, it's over 100 calls since that particular model, to you know, exploratory sales calls. And I think it was all but, all but like two of them, people didn't complete it ahead of time. And I think in, in one, uh, they thought they had sent it and they hadn't, and the other was sort of a really warm intro and I, you know, I let it go. But you skipped the survey, it, yeah. But, but ever, you said everyone else went through the survey process yes, first? Yes, yes. And, yeah. and, you know, so 98 plus percent. Yeah. And when I introduce this to agency owners, often they're like, well, I don't know if people will fill it out or... If it's a referral, I don't know if you know, I don't want to do that. No, if it's a referral, totally do it. Say, hey, thanks for the intro. I'd love to sort out if it's a fit. If you could take 10 to 15 minutes to complete this pre-intake, link to it, uh, that'll help you maximize the call. Mm -hmm. and, and if we're not a fit, then I'll save you the call and I'll point you elsewhere. So usually I have a sort of an 80% sense whether someone's a fit or not, and then we can dig deeper in the call to go from there. And if someone's totally not a fit, then I can point them elsewhere immediately. I've saved them time and I've saved myself time. So be picky. Be picky. Love it. And, and yeah, I, I, can, I can speak from experience because I've helped my, I've watched as my own business coach has incorporated something similar. And he yep. says it's the most powerful thing he's ever done for the, the sales process of his own coaching that he's mm. ever encountered in 25 years of business coaching. So like nice. the right survey can be incredible. Um, yeah. Okay. So I've got one last question for you. We'll finish sure. off with that. But before we do, uh, how do people get kind of into your world? Uh, take the survey, for example, and uh, potentially mm -hmm. chat with you. Yeah. Well, and certainly you don't have to hire me. You know, I have hundreds of free articles on my site, uh, weekly tips with advice on conquering growing pains at your agency. Uh, so to learn more, go to sakasandcompany.com. That's S-A-K-A-S. A-N-D, the word company.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Carl Sakas, Carl with a K, at K-A-R-L-S-A-K-A-S. Uh, so you can get all kinds of free stuff that way. Uh, if you do want, want specific help, you can easily find that through the website. And then don't be surprised when I suggest you fill out the pre-intake survey. That's right. <laughs> Consider it a privilege. You've been invited to, uh, to complete the survey. Yeah. Okay, so final question, going back to your think, teach, and do model. And, uh -huh. and, and your and your business model specifically just for your own consulting practice because you because we're very similar in the sense that we both want an enjoyable lifestyle business neither one of us are building things to sell we yep. both want to serve clients at a high level help mm -hmm. them get real results we take a lot of satisfaction in, in helping people do that so i'm curious from your perspective uh you're already doing the thinking part and and we talked about mm -hmm. ways that you can maximize what you make from the thinking the strategy right. work that you sell if you, if you jump down a little bit into the teaching, mm -hmm. uh, are you making any moves in that direction? Are there things that you have on the horizon that you're already planning to do to, to move into that other realm where you can do some scalable mm -hmm. teaching things to make more money off of the intellectual property you built up? Yeah, so two ways. One is through speaking. Uh, so speaking at agency associations, conferences, things like that. 
you know, so uh, it's one of those, you know, develop the talk once and then deliver it repeatedly, mm -hmm. uh, whether in person or, or electronically. Uh, so that that's there. Uh, some of the speaking is for business purposes. Other times it's for, you know, a nice fee. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then I've also developed, based on templates that I've developed for my clients, I've bundled all of those together into an agency resource library uh, that now is available as a, as a standalone product. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, you know, that's one example of that. And I've also written a couple books. I have a couple more pending that, you know, not the top priority. So, you know, don't, don't do, do them immediately uh, kind of thing. So I think that's been helpful. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and of course doing workshops that kind of fits into the, the speaking piece of things. Uh, yeah. so there, there's yeah. that. Um, and you know, I do some implementation in, in the do in the sense, for instance, in coaching, a client might say, you know, I've got this difficult situation. What should I do? And depending on the particulars, I may ghost write an email for them mm. to send to their, their client, right. uh, you know, that kind of thing. Or, you know, they'll, they'll set monthly goals in coaching that lead toward their long-term goals. You know, Stephen Covey said, begin with the end in mind, you know, and, and so I might set a reminder to remind them about their process on the goal. Uh -huh. uh, but I, I do note they're ultimately responsible for hitting their own goals, though I did have a client who's on a podcast where she talked about her experience doing coaching with me. She was like, the moment I miss one of my deadlines, Carl's like, where is it? Where, you know, what's going on? Uh, and I, I did follow up with her afterwards, and I said, I, I don't follow each client's goals that closely. I mean, it, it is a boutique approach. You know, yeah. I limit the number of active clients. Yeah. I, so I don't track your goals that closely, but I'm glad you think I do. <laughs> yes. Well, you definitely want to have that, that, instant, that instant reinforcement. That's something that I'm, uh, my business coach was pointing out to me the other day, uh, yeah. just how important it is to, to relate to clients and as close to immediately like reinforce the good behavior that you want right. and immediately address the behavior that you don't want. And it doesn't have to be all the time. In fact, it's better yeah. if it's not all the time, but that, that is how you lead clients to do the things that you want to do. And, and if you're not enjoying every client you work with um, and you want to pursue the super consultant model, well, you need to fix that. Like <laughs> continue your marketing and sales efforts not to grow enormously, but to replace the clients that, you know, you don't like. I'll ask people, look at your percentage as part of my agency intake process. When someone becomes a client, what percentage of your clients are great, terrible, or meh? Yeah. Um, and that, that ranges, but ideally, if you're a super consultant, almost everyone is in the yeah. great category. It's got to be 80, at least 80-20, if not 95-5, yeah. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Um, uh, that, that's why uh, uh, we were talking about with my business coach, just the concept of top grading, right? Mm -hmm. So as, as I've, you know, I mentioned that I'm like uh, closing the agency out in terms of just sheer numbers of clients. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that the business doesn't keep improving, get, keep right. more profitable and keep getting more enjoyable uh, yeah. by continually top grading your clients. So I, I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, and, and I think that's a point that applies really for any business. Once you stop looking for ways to continuously improve, you're just on the starting on the road to irrelevance, uh, which is not yeah, I don't good. know how many of us struggle with that. I feel like more people that I know of struggle with the temptation to get into the high growth mode, even though that's mm -hmm. not the lifestyle they want. Um, and then they feel like, well, if I'm not making those high growth decisions, I'm going to end up uh, my business is going to die. 
And I think that's helpful for them to understand that, no, no, like you can, you can cap the number of clients or you can cap a lot of things. Yeah. Don't, you don't ever have to have a business that's dying. That isn't, that isn't moving forward. It's, it's moving yes. forward in a different way. It doesn't have to be high growth in order to be healthy and growing. It, it could be evolution rather than revolution. Yeah. You know, yeah. Thinking about my, my coaching process, I've been doing that since 2013. It's evolved probably five times hmm. within that time, you know, in terms of looking for additional ways to keep making it better. Uh, the same thing with my core talk, which is on dealing with difficult clients called Don't Just Make the Logo Bigger. The version that I give now versus the first one in 2013, it is very different because I'm incorporating everything that I'm learning and exploring with clients. And you know what? If we look six years into the future, it is going to be different still. Though I am guessing six years from now, agencies will still be having difficult clients. So the, the <laughs> concept will definitely still apply. Uh, I agree. Well, I've, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation. We went super deep on yeah. some stuff. I hope people stayed with us. I know the agency owners in the room, so to speak, are, are getting a ton out of this. Uh, I hope also that the coaches and consultants who listen to this podcast um, understand that all of this stuff equally applies to you because like, like, like we talked about, we're like, we're very much in that world. You're a hundred percent in that world. You are a yeah. super consultant. Uh, mm -hmm. Your background and your clients is in the agency world, but you're not running an agency. Uh, yeah. So all the things that we talked about applies to both worlds. And I see more people doing exactly what you recommend in terms of moving up that strategy tier and going mm -hmm. from being the doers to the thinkers, which puts them squarely in that role of being a coach or a consultant. The only question is, you know, how, how much and what flavor. So yeah, I, this has been fantastic. I really, really appreciate it. Matt, great to be here. Hey, Rockstars. Thank you so much. I appreciate you investing your time, your effort, your energy into the show. I don't take that lightly. I so appreciate uh, you all listening and the feedback that I get from those of you who listen and engage with the show. Uh, whether you agree or disagree with the things we talk about, I love hearing from you. So please reach out. And if you are in the audience and you're a business coach, a consultant, or you're in creative services, and you're thinking about using you know, guest appearances on podcasts and interviews to boost your business, grow your brand, build more influence and attract ideal clients, or maybe you're watching other people in your space do that and you're wondering if this strategy will work for you and how to make that work. Uh, I did a special training with a client, Dana Malstaff, uh, who runs the Boss Mom podcast. We produce her show. And we did a training all about that. And it's called How to Get Featured on the Right Podcast and get your ideal clients flocking to you. And a few of the things that we covered in that training, it's, it's short, it's content packed, it's only about 35 minutes long. And we talked about how to get featured on podcasts in less than two hours a week, how to find the exact right podcast for you and make friends with those podcast hosts, how to become micro famous so you're known, liked and trusted in your space, and really how to, uh, how to craft a story hook uh, that really gets the attention of podcast hosts and gets them to say yes when you reach out and pitch yourself as a guest. And so we talk about all that and a bunch more in that training. So it's available at howtogetfeatured.com. That's howtogetfeatured.com. Pop your information in there. It's free and you get it in you know, instant access to watch. You don't have to wait for a follow-up email. You don't have to wait for a fake webinar that's not actually live. None of that. It's a recorded training. You get instant access. So go check it out. I'd appreciate it. And I've said it before on previous episodes. This is my number one marketing strategy for myself 
for 2019. And I learned a lot of these things in the process of building the system for myself and my staff to pitch me as a expert guest on podcasts. And whenever somebody, whether it's one of my own clients or my friends and peers and colleagues in the space that we all run in, it's my number one recommendation for them too, to grow their brand, build their influence and attract ideal clients. So if that's you and you want more of that, go check that out. That's at howtogetfeatured.com. Thanks again so much. And we'll see you on the next episode of the UX podcast.